What's up, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together we are FNA Van Life. This is the podcast where every week we bring you news from the nomadic community or interviews with other nomads so that you can know what it's really like to live life on the road. And we have a great one for you this week. We're talking about the news this month, all about van life. You know how it goes, guys. We get we get into this one really deeply, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I love the news podcast. But first, we're going to do a little update from the road. As you guys know, we've been building out our 1985 Toyota Sunraider. Yeah, and, you know, it's starting to come together. We're starting to make a lot of progression to almost being done with this rig. But this week, it was all about winter, prepping for winter and an RV prep for winter because we've never really done an RV prep in winter. Normally, we're like living in the winter in the RV. Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, you have to winterize, you have to get the water out, you have to do all these things. But like Frank said, we've been living full time in our rig for four years through winter, through summer, through all of these seasons. And so it never really occurred to us that we had to shut the van down. Yeah. And not only shut it down, but get all the water out of the tank. <laughs> I thought we already did that, but I guess we didn't. So well, uh, I noticed that the tank was uh, a little wet and cold. So it must have froze just a tiny bit, but luckily there was no uh, big damage from it. Yeah. And the other things that we noticed just, you know, it's been fairly mild here. We're building out in Canada and Ontario and it's been not so bad, especially during the daytime when we're working on the van. Like, yeah, you need a light coat or something like that, but yeah. nothing, you know, frigid or freezing or no real snow yet. We had a couple of flurries on Halloween, but that was about it. Mm -hmm. So it hasn't really occurred to us that like, okay, the van might end up in like, you know, with a foot of snow on the roof. And then what happens if that starts to melt? Yeah. And then, you know, it's going into the windows. So we had to take apart all the windows and and fill all those windows in with the proper stuff and get them all sealed in properly. So you're going to see how we do that in this week's video. And I think the video was a fun, entertaining video on top of that. So I think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah. And hopefully learn a thing or two about what not to do when you're us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or we even show like how or when we do things wrong and how we're going to fix it down the road. So we look forward to showing you guys all the different sides of van life and not just selling you something that, you know, is what you want to see. We want to show you everything that there is to know about it. Uh -huh. So one of the questions on the YouTube channel this week was, do you regret buying this rig? Because every time we go to do a new project, we find a new problem. Well, and then also there was another question attached to that and is, do you regret selling the other van? And so to actually, I really love the question because it really made me think about it, you know, and no, we do not regret selling our last van. It was a great van. We really enjoyed it. And we know that somebody else could enjoy it too when we sell it. Also, it wasn't built for our baby. So we'd have to rip everything out of it and start from scratch. So we might as well sell it, make a little bit of a profit. And uh, the person who bought it, you know, they bought it to rent it out to other people and enjoy it for themselves sometimes. And so it's a win-win situation because they're making a business out of it. They can make their money back and we made some money out of it. Yeah. So I don't regret selling Olive either. I think we had a really good run in Olive and I loved living in that space. It was mm -hmm. really perfect for us. We went on so many adventures, literally two years worth of adventures in that rig. And, you know, it was sad to say goodbye when we did sell her and, you know, actually walking away from her and, you know, waving goodbye. I was actually watching that video the other day. I was like, oh, that was really like, it's just a, 
I don't know. I think at that moment too, there was some sadness, but there was also excitement because we were moving into this next phase. We knew we were pregnant. We knew that, you know, we needed something different for our growing family. And so it wasn't so hard as selling our first van that felt a lot more emotional. Whereas this one was more of like an excitement for what's to come. Yeah. And the first one was hard because it was a change of life completely for us where this one, we knew that we would continue to life. So it was like kind of exciting, you know, rather than the scared, nervous feeling of selling the first one and then trying to like rebuild again. And now we've done it twice. We know that we could do it a third time. No problem. No offense mm -hmm. or buts about it. And, and customize and make it even more perfect and make it more perfect for life with a baby and like figure out how that's going to look too. Yeah. And what I said about the new rig that we have right now or the old rig that we have right now, um, I just wish I would have paid a little bit less to start, you know, the renovations and stuff, because that way when we sell it, we can make a little bit of a profit and where this because of what happened and everything will hoping to just break even so and what happened if you miss it is that the engine blew the second yeah. week that we had it so we had to replace the whole engine and well we had to ship it here and there and then it it delays the timeline of us actually renovating it and then we're renovating it in canada instead of the states like it's just a lot of well, and Actions. also the renovation has been a lot more than we bargained for, because yeah. I think when we looked at it, we saw the aesthetics of it and it was very cute. And so then we were like, oh, this is adorable. Maybe one or two little fixes here and there. And then once you start peeling it back, you're yeah. like, oh, man, like we got a lot more work than just a couple of, you know, window covers. But from what we could see and what we're doing the person who gets it next is going to have an amazing rig and a rig that they're not going to have to worry about any leaks or any things like along those lines. And everything's going to work properly. They're going to have an engine that has a four-year warranty. So if anything ever happened to it, it would literally just go to a mechanic and get an engine swapped out um, via, you know, um, what's it called? AutoZone. Um, so there's a four-year warranty on that specific engine, unlimited amount of miles in that four years. So they could drive anywhere. And if something was to happen, then, you know, they're covered. So somebody's getting longevity in this rig in the sense of their money that they're spending. And uh, we're happy that we could give that to that person. Sorry about that. Paco is going nuts for whatever reason. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, so I think that what I what I said at the end of the day is that one, I've learned to fix anything. And the fact that I was able to put an engine in, I feel like was something that I've always wanted to do in my life. And now that I've done it, I feel even more accomplished. And we're renovating a classic rig that somebody else could then use and hopefully has for another 20, 30 years. And then it's a 65 year old rig. Like imagine that, you know, when you see like these really old classic rigs or cars in general, you're like, wow, look at that beautiful thing. So I, I feel the same way about this Toyota Sun Raider. And, you know, if we, didn't necessarily need the capital to build another rig, then we probably just hang on to it. But, you know, the capital is going to be important to building the next vehicle as well. Yeah. So I don't regret it. I don't think I regret anything of what we've done in our life. No. You know, it's all learning and growing. And yeah, could it have been more perfect and less problems? Sure. But we were learning along the way. And, you know, we're problem solving. And like Frank said, we're learning how to do new things. We've acquired new skills and yeah, I mean, it's been a really fun project. Yeah, it, you know, it, it has had its harder times. And like the people watching the videos a lot of the time are people that aren't 
always doers in the sense of wanting to rebuild something like this. A lot of the time, there are people that are just interested in that stuff and are watching other people's journey, which is amazing, and we're so thankful for them. But their thought process on this specifically would be much different than ours. Well, as and a the lot doers. of people just want a turnkey operation. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know. Mm -hmm. So either way, I don't regret it. I'm happy about it. We love our Sunny the Sun Raider. And Sunny's going to be perfect. Yeah. she And she'll probably, we're hoping to have her up for sale in January. So if you guys are interested in the Toyota, you know, let us know. Reach out. We could give you, you know, how much it is and or how much it's going to be. Like the specs and everything that we've done to it. And, you know, we have the holiday seasons coming along. So we're really looking forward to that as well. And speaking of the holiday season, that's going to bring in, us into our first article. So right now, Men's Journal has been going hard on van life, as you'll see from today's articles. The first is Gifts for Van Life and Avid Road Trippers. This one was written by Dalton Johnson. It's a complete guide to gifts for the person who spends hours behind the wheel. Oh, I don't know about that, Dalton. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, as people who live on the road, it... For the most part, for us, and we're speaking from our own experience, so it might be different for other people, but for us, we pretty much have most of the things that we want or need, and so let's get into this list. Yeah, so uh, first of all, I'll say most van lifers are pretty minimal. It's a tiny space. You don't have a lot of room for things, so acquiring a lot of stuff during the holidays is not a good idea. I know there's also a movement going around of not making big purchases, not purchasing big electronics this year because of everything that's going on um, in the DRC and, you know, just other conflicts going on in the world. We want to keep our money local, buy things from local makers, things like that. So that's mm -hmm. what Frank and I are going to do this year, keeping gift purchasing low and, you know, making gifts for each other, yeah. spending time with each other. Yeah. We're going to do like a big fun family game night. So I think that'll be more of kind of the gifts that we're giving we, this year. We got a couple of fun ideas that are coming up for uh, this Christmas time and, mm -hmm. and the holiday season. So he starts off with the kitchen. We're going to let you guys read the article. If you want to find the article, it's in the show notes. Very easy for you to find. But he starts off in the kitchen. Yeah. And so <laughs> the first thing is a good knife. Now, I will agree you're going to be cooking a lot of your meals in the van. Having a good knife really changes the game when you're cooking. I am a big fan of a very nice, good knife. Mine was maybe $60 and yeah. it cuts. Cuts good. Yeah, cuts, it cuts easy. Real good. You know, um, the knife that he's suggesting is a Benchmade $325 high quality versatile knife. And what I'm realizing here is that there's probably some type of like Amazon or affiliate link to these. So um, I'm guessing he's going to make some type of commission. So he might be picking higher end items or he might have the budget for these higher end items. Yeah. Or maybe that's just, you know, men's journal readers are in a different income bracket than a lot of van lifers. And really speaking of the knives, I would say go talk to our friend Jesse at Low Sugar Fitness. Go sign up over there. And I think you get gifted a knife when you sign up. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> that makes it things really easy. So the next thing that he's offering is a canteen food box, which is kind of a cool idea. Transporting meals. He's got an MSR kettle, which is like um, mountain safety research kettle mm -hmm. uh, and then some MSR stuff. And so what I find with most of the kitchen items that he's offering, they're kind of more like backpacky. Yeah, they're like camper related stuff. Like so if you were actually going on like a hike, like a long hike, 
and you wanted to like cook outside or something, these are the particular items that he is selecting. So I, I guess something to think about is who is this van lifer that you are buying gifts for? Is it somebody who is an avid hiker or like cooking over campfires quite often? Because if that's the case, then yeah, sure, these might be great items. But for instance, us, we cook on our stove. So and I you think know, maybe thing, a little different. The thing that we like about Van is that you have everything. It's more like a home kitchen. You know mm. what I mean? So I don't know if I would want to be preparing things in like a camping kitchen. I just want to say the way that you said the thing about Van, I thought you were talking about a person for a second. <laughs> Me and yeah. my good old buddy Van. Van. But yeah, so like this cooking set, it's $200 for a pot, um, a couple of storage dishes. It's all stuff that's meant to be packed away together. So your two pots pack in together, then your food containers pack into that, then everything snaps over with lid. And so in theory, this is great. It packs away really easily. You could store it really easily. But then, I don't know, for me personally, I would feel like I was camping every time that I was cooking. Yeah, and I know for Alex, she likes to have her, like, home-cooked, like, items, like, to cook in, so... And I don't think you need a lot no, to cook, like, a really nice meal. Like, we have... Normally, pot and pan. Yeah, That's literally. It. A nice pot, a nice pan, a nice knife, a cutting board, and then you could literally make... Anything. Every meal yeah, that yeah. you could imagine. I would say, if anything, ask me if they have, like, an Instapot or a rice maker. Like yeah. the, the rice maker is game changing, I feel like. I love the rice maker. Yeah. The rice maker also takes less energy than the Instant Pot. I feel like the Instant Pot is great if you're cooking for like a bunch of people. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Because then you can make like a stew or... I mean, what was the one thing you made? You made some type of pasta, I think? Yeah, it? it was like a spaghetti sauce, basically. Yeah, and that was great. And, so and we like, fed like 20 people. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, so our Instant Pot has been really good and I know a lot of people swear by it and... We do enjoy it. So I would say I would look at items like that before maybe the pot or pan because they might have those things. Probably too. already have it unless you know they need it. Like, I don't know. You ever been to a friend's house and you see their frying pan and it's so scratched up and horrible? Yeah. You're like, ooh, you need a new one of those. That's why I'm thinking about our rice cooker right now. We need a new <laughs> one of those. Yeah, we've definitely scratched the heck out of our rice cooker because we use it so much. Mm -hmm. And you can use it for more than just rice. Like there's actual full cookbooks of things that you can do with the rice cooker from like baking a cake. Mm -hmm. We used to make our oatmeal in it. Basically, anything that you would boil. So you could literally boil noodles. You could yeah. heat up soups. You could do so many different things with the rice cooker and cooking rice because we eat a lot of that. To too. be realistic, you could probably cook eggs in it too because it just literally like you turn it on, it's like a hot pan. Yeah. Throw a little bit of butter in there and then throw your eggs in. Psh, done, ready to go. Okay. Next up for the gift guide, we're going to the closet. Ooh, you're going in the closet. And we're going with the red wing boots is what he's saying. So here's the thing is I don't even like red wing boots and um, which is interesting because <laughs> How red, do you know that you don't like red wing boots because uh, everybody swears by red wing boots and like I've tried them on and they just don't feel right on my feet like in construction work like construction they look kind of like Doc Martens. Yeah. A lot of people go with like this for these red wings for construction work. And whenever I tried on red wing boots, I just they just didn't fit my foot right. And so I I think that getting somebody boots it it's your feet are so specific. Yeah, it's, you know? buying shoes is a really personal thing. Yeah, like I'd rather somebody give me a shirt. Yeah, you know, or, or like okay, so let's skip the oh, shoes section because those Red Wings are over three hundred dollars, by the way. You know what shirt I would say? I would say one of those uh, lumberjack styled, you know, 
coach that has like the pockets. You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? Like I have one, like a flannel, a flannel with pockets in them. <laughs> that that thing is gangster. And that could go for both ways. I would be pretty happy with the you know a little bit of an oversized flannel with pockets. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's like this is something that will probably be less expensive than say the boots. Yeah, maybe a you know forty sixty dollars shirt versus and, like a three hundred dollar boot. And I would even argue that once again, these people probably have their boots that they really enjoy, and they want they're also minimalist, so like they they're probably not getting boots very often. Yeah. And so if you are going to do that, I would just buy them a gift card or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like get them a gift card to REI or another place that you know that is going to be selling, you know, high quality shoes. Because it is important to invest in a nice pair of hiking boots because you're going to be going on a lot of adventures or a nice pair of snow boots. Like if we were doing winter van life, you definitely want a nice pair of boots to keep your feet warm. But like I want to buy my own boots. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then he talks about down booties and like, you know, obviously the floor in a van could be cold in the middle of winter. Um, and but here's the other thing about that is you put a rug down <laughs> and then the floor is not so cold. And uh, I mean, yeah, we and they probably have a bunch of socks. So I don't know if like that's a great gift. Once again, like I just personally, I wouldn't want them. You yeah, know, this is. I don't know if we're going to be buying any of our van life friends um, $130 reflex pants. Yeah. yeah. You know, Maybe just... if your mom or dad and like, you know, your kids really well. Sure. Be... Yeah. But like even I mean, you know, maybe when I was a kid, my mom could pick my size. I don't know if she'd yeah. be great at that now. Yeah. True. True. <laughs> uh, I would say that like we could skip a little ahead and I would say that the sunglasses are probably a great idea. Sunglasses like... are a more generic purchase in terms mm-hmm. of like most people look good in most sunglasses. But also some people are super picky about sunglasses. Well, if you kind of know the person, you could say, hey, you know, you could look at their styles, the sunglasses, take notes of those styles, and then buy one specifically to that. So right. I think like that purchase is probably a better purchase than than a six hundred and twenty nine dollar watch. Yeah, don't buy me a watch. I don't even wear watches. I have a <laughs> cell phone to tell me time. <laughs> Plus, I feel like a lot of the reason that you move into a van is to get away from time. Yeah. Like yeah. you don't need to wake up to an alarm clock. You don't need to know what time it is because no. the sun is setting. So you're like, oh, the sun is setting. Go I'm going to go it. get ready to, you know, make a meal. Yeah. Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, I'm tired. Like you don't need yeah. the clock. Yeah. This is once again, it's it, this is going to be something for Alex and I that it's uh, we're going to pick apart because we don't need a lot of these things or want a lot. Ninety five percent of the things. On, I mean, if somebody wanted to buy me a six hundred dollar watch, I'd be like, oh, thanks. I'd probably pawn <laughs> it and get the money back. <laughs> I wouldn't be mad about it. No, you know no, what I mean? All, OK, so the next section of this one is fitness on the go. Honestly, I haven't even heard of all these things. A collapsible foam roller does sound pretty nice. I could get behind that. I actually like the collapsible foam roller. That's actually dope. I like that a lot. Um, I don't know how well it works, but like that. Can't be mad at that. That's something we use. And then massage balls is something that we use. Yeah, massage balls. There was also one above that. This um, Hypervolt is a massage gun and the massage gun is actually great. I really like those a lot. Um, but you could get them for less than $200 if you're looking to save some money. Yeah. But this is probably a very good one. I just recently bought one for like 30 bucks and it's pretty good. It's okay. It's kind of a piece of crap. I feel like it's it's the kind of thing that you get and you're like, Oh, this is a cool gadget. And then you use it rarely. Well, and that's the reason why I bought the cheap one because I was like, I'll feel bad if I buy a $200 one and I don't use it all the time, right. you know, but if I buy a $30 one and I use it twice a week, I'll feel a lot better about it. So this next one is called a plank pad. It looks like 
kind of like a skateboard with like a ball on the underside of it. So it's like off balance, it's like, like a, a seesaw. It's like the little surfer boards that you practice on. It's like yeah. That. So that's kind of fun. I mean, balance if you're looking training. for like a small area to work out, which, mm-hmm. you know, if you only have your little alleyway that you would have in your van, then that could be a good, mm-hmm. you know, inside way to work out. Um, looks like they had kettlebells in there too. They're, mm-hmm. they're kind of heavy. So you got to be a little careful with stuff like that. Yeah. Don't buy anybody a big weight set. Yeah. Just the problem with a big weight set is that you already have so much weight in your van and you don't want to weigh it down any more than what you already have. Yeah. Okay. But so there are avid workout people out there like, you know, Francis and, and, and Alex and they have like a whole little set of weights in the back and yeah, but they, even they're minimalist with it. Like yes, they know they exactly which weights they have. They know how much yep. they weigh They're Those are the only, you know, like it's yeah. very specific. Um, the next area is for the bed. If you want to buy new sheets or pillows, a bed in a van is very important. Yeah. And you know, it depends on which type of setup you would like. We personally have Cedro seats. We've been using them for a while and we love them. They are super comfortable. The thread count is great. And we have a pillow set and also like a whole sheet set and a duvet for it as well. And I honestly, my favorite sheet set that I've ever had personally. I feel like sheets are something that you should invest in a little bit because they are something you're going to have for a long time. Mm-hmm. And you use them eight hours a day, every day for your whole life. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, might as well. Yeah, this guy talks about avocado sheets, but we've never used them, so we don't know. Um, but the ones that we have are great, and we could we could testify to that. Next one is for the bookshelf. I find it a little bit hard to buy somebody in a van an actual book <laughs> because a there's not a lot of storage space. People, some people love real books. I found them kind of a nuisance in the van because. Mm. Um, there's nowhere to keep it afterwards. So what I would normally do if I had a paper book is that the next person that I found, I would swap with. Mm -hmm. So we would swap books or I would give them a book. I would find a book at like, you know, they have the little libraries where you can like give and take. And so I was always kind of mindful to be like getting rid of books. I would say a book is a great gift if you know you're the only one getting them a book. Why? Like, like, you know, for a fact that you're the only one getting them a book, because then if everybody gets them a book. And they'll they have got way too stack. many books. Yeah. yeah. And then they open their cupboard and they all fly out like, at them and hit them well, in the just, head. They just don't have the, like, they would be sitting on the bed and stuff like that rather than in a spot. Like, we had to literally build a nook for books. Yeah. We had a book nook. Yep. We did. It was great. All right. So there are about a million other things on this list. I don't know. I feel like it's realistically just, uh, like Frank said, an Amazon Ooh. shopping list. See, I think this would be a better purchase, a moonshade. And we do have a uh, link for the moonshade. I personally, at first, was, like, skeptical about the moonshade. And then we got the moonshade and we started using it. And now I, like, absolutely love the freaking moonshade. We use it in rain. We use it in high winds. We use it in a bunch of different situations and settings. And it never disappointed us. So I would definitely say that's something that I would get for somebody that has a rig if they didn't have an awning system for mm-hmm. themselves. But and, again, it's, and it's cheap compared to the other ones. Yeah, and we have a discount code for that, so it could be a little bit cheaper because it is yeah. almost $400 yeah. for the setup. Um, again, if you're looking for a high-ticket item, you could also get an Iceco fridge for them. We mm-hmm. have a coupon code for that to get 12% off. Yep. But again, how much do you love your van life friends that you want to buy them 
a whole Very Dometic expensive. See, I think you'd be buying some of these things if they were about to get into van life and they were like starting their build and things along that line. So if you have friends or family that are starting their build and you want to purchase them something that's going to help them along their way, these are great items to purchase for them and it's going to help bring their cost down on their van themselves. Okay, let's move on. This is another Men's Journal article. It's called, Can Van Lifers Overnight Park at Walmart? Short answer, yes, but also long answer, no. Uh, <laughs> at certain ones, you can't, but you could definitely get away with staying at a lot of them for one night. And don't over don't overstay your welcome. Like, just stay one night and move on. Mm-hmm. Okay, so basically this article goes into like a a scale of from high probability that you'll be able to stay to low probability Mm -hmm. that you're going to get kicked out for sure. And I think the one thing that this person is really missing out on is the fact that you can basically get all of the information about which Walmarts you can and cannot stay at from iOverlander. Yes. So if you go to iOverlander, it's an app that you can download for um, iPhone or Android, and you're going to find it so much. If If you're doing any kind of van life and you don't have the iOverlander, I can't speak. I overlander app. You need to get it because this is going to tell you where to park, where you can camp safely overnight for free for paid spots. It's going to give you where you can get gas, where you can get propane, where you can get water. Yeah. And even beyond that, it's not going to be even it's going to be more intuitive than just Walmart. You know, like you'll be able to park in places in the middle of nowhere because of it as well. Right. And I would actually say that. OK, so let's just start. I'm going to I'm going to give you my favorite city parking spot it's not a walmart but so he's saying your high probability that you're going to be able to stay best chance for a hassle whoa i slid that around best chance for a hassle-free night sleep can often be found at a standalone walmart store not surrounded by any other retailers keep an eye out for hidden gems in smaller towns that are conveniently located near major highways so this would be a walmart that there's really it's probably like like you said, a smaller town. It's a standalone Walmart. There's nothing else in the parking lot except for the Walmart and maybe the Walmart gas station. Yeah. That's it. And then so just keep an eye out for signs that would be posted on the light poles that say like no camping allowed or no overnight parking because mm-hmm. um, that's obviously going to tell you you can't stay. Also, 24-hour Walmarts would be ones that you can more than likely stay at because they have 24 hours. People are coming in and out and you have no worries about you know, who's parked outside. Well, you're not going to be the only car in the parking lot yeah. at four in the morning because well, they're not worried about like security, you know, not they probably have security there yeah. all night long because exactly. they're open 24 hours a day. I feel like that's true for most 24 hour establishments, like 24 hour gyms, 24 hour grocery stores, 24 hour casinos, like all these places mm-hmm. that are open 24 hours. You have a pretty good chance that you're going to be able to park in the parking lot fine yeah and a lot of small towns are going to be really good spots that are like you know they might not be right next to the highway but they're kind of a little bit of ways this is what he's talking about good probability um walmart's in these areas are normally very welcoming to van lifers and if you want a quiet place to park at night yeah this list gets kind of weird because then it's like a 50 50 shot so medium to large cities you might still find success if they're on the outskirts close to major highways your chances are reasonably balanced this is, doesn't help me. No. I'm not going to pull up to a Walmart and be like, ooh, I remember that he said that it's going to be a medium-sized town with a, near the highway with a reasonably... Uh, no. Just go get iOverlander. Just get iOverlander. <laughs> or, you know, even better, ask the store manager. Yeah. Go in and say, hey, 
you know, I'm just looking to stay for one night, blah, blah, blah. Is it cool if I stay in the parking lot? Where would you suggest I go? Should I go in this back corner? Should I park on that side? Blah, blah, blah. Most of the time they're super friendly. Actually, I make Frank do this. So how are they most of the time? Wait, say that one more time. Sorry. I, I make it. you go and ask if it's okay. Yeah, I normally go inside <laughs> and I'll ask the you know person at the desk or the manager. I'll say, is there a manager on site tonight? And then they'll normally direct me to the security personnel. And then I talk to the security person and just ask if it's cool if we just stay for the night. You know, we're tired. We've been driving for a while and uh, we're going to be gone early in the morning. We just need a place to to stop and take a quick rest. And, and they normally say, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. So according to this guy, you'll get kicked out for sure. If you spot a Walmart nestled in the suburbs of a medium to large city, it's a clear sign that you'd better off seeking alternative parking options to avoid unwanted disruptions. But what does that even mean? Like in a medium to large city, but before he was saying in larger cities, if you're by the highway, but then... Basically saying avoid the suburbs. <laughs> yeah, but if you're in the suburbs and it's a 24-hour one with nothing else in the parking lot. Yeah. Like, you know, there's so many different. It's so very... just get the Eye Over Lander app. If you are in a bigger city, rather than Walmart, I would go to Cracker Barrel. Yeah. Because Cracker Barrels are great. Yeah. Almost all of them. I've never found a Cracker Barrel that we couldn't stay at. Their yeah. parking lots are much smaller. It draws much of a different crowd, I think, than Walmart draws. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get like the big, big, big rigs that just, you know, sit there for a couple of days. We did see one guy in a fifth wheel who kind of like moved into the parking lot at a Cracker Barrel. Yeah, that was kind of not nice. And he was running his uh, generator all through the day. I definitely think that the management said something about it to him. Well, you went in and well. you were like, oh, we live in a van. And she was like, are you the guy in that RV? Like, no. And he, she <laughs> was like, oh, he's been here for a while. And like, we just like don't know because like the staff notice. Yeah, I think I even said to them, like, if I see him, I'll say something like, you know, because I just don't think that it's right to stay in these places for that long. And or like if you're going to stay there, stay there overnight and then leave, you know, and try to be, you know, one night and done. Don't don't stay for more than one night if you don't have to. You know, or if it's the only place in town, I understand that you, you've stayed a couple of nights, but make sure you're purchasing something from the place to give them the benefit of like reaping a little bit of reward for allowing you to stay there. And like it's really leave, nice of them. Leave and circle back. Yeah. Like, so normally what we do, especially in the cities, like, why do you want to sit in a Cracker Barrel or Walmart parking lot all day? No, you want to go find a trailhead. You want to go, you know, explore something. You need to go, you know, whatever. You got to wake up in the morning, have your breakfast and get the heck out of there. Well, and something as simple as you wake up early in the morning, you go grab a coffee for them. You could make a breakfast in your van if you want, or, or just grab breakfast from there. But then pull out, go to a park that's nearby if you want to like hang out in your van all day. But you can hang out at the park all day long if you want. Like you don't have to be at the Cracker Barrel and you shouldn't be. So just move on to a spot that is a place where you're welcome to be. It's a public space. And so you pull up into the parking lot of a park and then you have a beautiful field or whatever in front of you and you could just do what you got to do. Yeah. And then, you know, the store has their parking lot empty for the people who are actually coming to buy stuff and everybody wins. You circle back when it's later at night, maybe even sometimes after they're already closed and you're good to go. Yeah, I think that's great advice, Alex. Okay, so next up from DW.com, we have got a cute little documentary about the first van life couple in India. So I thought it would be fun to actually kind of listen to this with you guys. They 
aren't speaking English. It's dubbed over, but it's really well done. It's only four minute thing. So we could definitely kind of scoop it into the podcast here. Um, just to kind of set the scene so that you guys can know what we're looking at. We've got a younger couple. They're probably, um, you know, late mid 20s um they're living in a hatchback van it looks like a vw actually yeah so it's got a sliding door on the side and then a pop roof on the back but it is quite small Mm -hmm. um they're both taller than the vehicle so that just gives you an idea of it like if you look at somebody standing next to a pro master Mm -hmm. the pro master looks huge this is a very much of a like of a little van Mm -hmm. and this young indian couple have defied all the norms and are driving their Maruti Omni minibus around the world. They've seen almost everything in India and now London is calling. Nice. I'm so proud of them for breaking through the seal and trying something different. Being the first ones to do something like this in their country, I'm sure is going to change lives for a lot of people and allow them to see life in a different light. Akhil and Shamshia, who claim to be India's first van life couple, intend to go to London by van. They began their journey with the aim of traveling around the world in a Maruti Omnivan and have already seen nearly all of India's states. That's super impressive. Our hometown is Trishur in Kerala. But it isn't just India that we consider our home country because we're travelers. We've gone all the way over the border to Nepal, to the China border, into Bhutan, and to the border of Myanmar. These are one-of-a-kind experiences to have. I just want to say what is so cool is that they are exactly like ourselves. You know, they come from another country and they're but they're doing the same thing and feeling the same way that we feel about van life. And I think that's a testament to what this lifestyle could bring to you. I was thinking we got to hook them up with Tread the Globe. Oh, yeah, that would be great. I think they're about to go through that area, too. No. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what their route is, but it'd be pretty cool. It'd be dope. wanted to travel, but my parents are a bit strict and the family is orthodox. So that desire that I had as a young girl to go and travel the world wasn't something I could follow. I never believed that as a girl I could travel. Things changed after Akhil came along. He was the one who said, hey, you can do it all. And that's why we've been traveling all across India as a van life couple. Frank, you're you're my inspiration too. <laughs> That's amazing that both him and I, uh, you know, met a woman in our lives and talked him into kind of doing this with them. <laughs> <laughs> and and Alex always had like a want to do it, just like she did. So it's once again, you know, even though we're from different countries and different places, like you could see how similar we are. Don't worry, guys. You can hear Everly crying, but we've got a babysitter. Yeah, yeah. Somebody's watching her. Right now, they kind of travel in the back. I'm an automobile engineer. As soon as my course was over, I moved to Qatar to start working. But I had no job satisfaction, so I quit and came back to India. What's the message we want to send to people with our travels? 
Well, how to live a minimalistic lifestyle? It's not for everyone. And you can only adhere to a lifestyle if you're passionate about it. And this is our passion. He has the perfect job for this. As you can see, this is our house. When we open this door, the first thing you'll see is our bedroom. We fold the bed away like this in order to make the most of the little space we have. So just to paint a visual of it, it's literally the tiniest space. Mm -hmm. It's got a fold-away bed, like she said. They've got a slide out, and so that's really going to help them maximize the space. They've got one solar panel on the roof, and that's powering all their adventures. So there's the challenge of finding a safe spot to do that. There are several such issues, but since we're passionate about traveling, we're able to overcome those obstacles. And we've proved that we can achieve things with passion. We first had the idea to travel like this during the COVID pandemic. At the time, Akhil's business wasn't doing well, but the initial investment we needed to make was huge since we needed to convert a Maruti Omni into a motorhome. I was able to sell some of my gold jewelry to get the funds we needed. That's like so everybody in North America, too. Yeah. You know, everyone was like, you know what? The pandemic hit. My job is either not going well or it's gone remote. And I'm going to sell a lot of stuff and get into a van. And I would like to travel and see different places and try new things. <laughs> Our dream for the future is to travel to London in this van. We dream of traveling across the whole world, but for now, we're working on Project London. We do need some sponsorship to make it happen, though. Well, you hear to hear first, guys, if you want to sponsor the first Indian van lifers to get to London, we're going to put a link down below where you can help them out. We don't know them personally, no. but we think what they're doing is really amazing. And maybe we're going to send them a couple bones, too. Yeah, that'd be that'd be lovely. I think that we we love to be inspired by other people and other things. And they are truly inspiring us because I think India is a place that we would love to travel. Uh, we just had some friends that went there recently. And it seems like a glorious place to be able to travel. Actually, there was a gentleman here the other day putting in the um, boxes for the internet and also for the cable television here at Alex's parents' house. And he's from India and he was telling me about how beautiful the north is and the mountains are. And, you know, I was just thinking to myself, wow, it'd be lovely to go see these areas and these places. And he, I told him about what we do and he said, oh, I, I went on a trip with my family. It was like seven of us or so. And uh, they traveled around for a bit and uh, they got an RV and did it. And they said it was absolutely wonderful doing that and living a different type of experience and seeing different places like firsthand instead of like kind of flying over them type of thing. Mm -hmm. So speaking of beautiful places, the next article is the pros and cons of van life in Baja. Now you guys might remember that Frankie and I have been to Baja twice now. Yeah. We did it once. We started basically half of May, half of June. Yes. Uh, actually all of June because of we June, yeah. left basically for July 4th. Yeah. Um, and then we circled back in February. And so yeah. The difference of Baja, they don't talk about the weather and the different times of year. In the winter, when most people go to Baja, it can actually still be quite cool. 
Like, it's going to be warmer, obviously, than Canada yeah. or anywhere up north. Well, we got back to Baja in February. And when we were there in February, it was quite cold. We couldn't really enjoy the beaches the way we would have liked to, the way we did the first time around. Back in May, June, it was literally perfect beach weather. You're way wearing, less people, too. Yeah, you're wearing a bikini all the time. You're having, you know, beach days. And yep. then it cools off still significantly at night. So you're nice and comfortable. Yeah, and so if you guys want to see our adventures there, we'll leave a link in the description below. There'll be a playlist for our Mexico and Baja adventures. Yeah, but so when we went back in February, basically wearing like wool socks, pants, sweatshirts, the wind was crazy. Yeah, it was. Obviously, it depends on the year that you go to because depending on, you know, whether El Nino, La Nina, whatever's happening, you know, sometimes the weather's just different, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so... Maybe we caught it on a cooler season, yeah. but it, you know, the water was cold. The water was still freezing. Like you would get in and your feet would be in. And like within five minutes, you're like, I got to get out of here. Like, why am I even trying? My favorite thing was like the influencer girls. Oh get, yeah. They would like put on a bikini. They would run out into the water. They would take a picture and then they would immediately run back into their van and put on their sweatpants. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I think we're giving people a little bit of an unrealistic view of what uh, this is. So Alex and I did a realistic view and it was super windy like the next day. And we like could barely open and close our Couldn't door. Couldn't even, the door was like suctioned shut <laughs> from the wind pushing it so you hard. You were getting pelted with sand. You know, it was like every every time that you do something you're gonna have a really good part about it and also some really tough times about it yeah but so anyways baja in general is amazing so here are the pros according to this article stunning scenery would you agree yeah stunning absolutely gorgeous one of the one of the coolest terrains because it's like absolute desert meets the ocean yeah very neat affordable living would you agree yes definitely um it is definitely more expensive than mainland Mexico, but is way more affordable in the sense of campgrounds and such uh, compared to the States. And food and things like that. Yeah. Cultural experience. Um, yeah, you definitely get a cultural experience. You're going to be immersed in, you know, especially if you're going to the bigger towns, you're going to be more immersed into the cultural experience. Um, if you're kind of just at the beach the whole time, you might not get it as much. And just hanging out with other van lifers yeah. or things, you know, you have to make it a cultural experience. Mm -hmm. I think Baja really much caters to the tourism. tourism crowd because for decades, people have been driving from California down to mm -hmm. Baja. And so the locals have adapted to kind of meet that. And they're very welcoming, very warm people. Mm -hmm. um, but I found that I felt like Baja was Mexico light. Yes. Like when we actually got into mainland Mexico, it was a much more immersive experience into the Mexican culture. Well, yeah, because we went from a place that is that gets a lot of tourism. So the culture kind of gets mixed together when it happens for so long, where when you go to mainland Mexico and you go to these very small towns that don't see a lot of tourism, then you they almost look at you twice like wait a second you don't belong here <laughs> not not like you don't belong here but like you're different you know so you you get looked at a little bit more and and uh but people are still trying to like you know sell you things and and they're still trying to get the tourism from you uh but it's a, in a different way i guess mm -hmm. so the other two aspects are endless adventure so surfing hiking fishing so many things to do in baja definitely agree with that definitely be careful doing the hiking and surfing uh, the surf could get pretty gnarly at times down and there. And there can be like um, dangerous fish. 
Yeah, that could be dangerous fish. Jellyfish and stingrays. Yeah, and I would I would also say yeah you definitely have to do the stingray shuffle when you're out there, mm-hmm. um, especially certain times of the year when the water gets warmer. There's more stingrays, and then I would also be careful hiking at certain points of the year because there there are rattlesnakes there. So there's like rattlesnake season, and that's when like a lot of the rattlesnake babies are being born, and so. Rattlesnake in like babies are more poisonous than or adolescent are more poisonous than say an adult snake. And they're more willing to bite. Like they'll yeah, bite for nothing. They're not gonna rattle. They're just gonna bite. Yeah. Yeah. We learned that the interesting way. Yeah. And yeah. we actually know friends whose dog got bitten by a rattlesnake and not in Mexico, but uh but yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Okay, so the cons of van life in Baja. Mm-hmm. So these, I don't, safety concerns, no matter where you're doing van life, it's always a safety concern. You want to have your back. You want to be aware of your surroundings. You want to know where you're parking. Take precautions to ensure your safety and your belongings. Duh. Do yeah. that always. They say language barrier, but see, like this one I find to be a fun challenge. You know, it's one of the things where you should learn the local language, at least some of the local words and some of the like small phrases. That at least help hello you get by. and thank you. Yeah. And like, how are you doing? And you sorry, know. my Spanish isn't very good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like just I have very little Spanish, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Um that's going to help you with your experience there. And realistically, there's not much that you can't get by with with Google Translate. And, uh, you know, speaking by showing, you know, like pointing at things and, and touching. And, you know, then they could kind of get an idea of, you know, what you're talking about when you're like showing your rig to people and mm-hmm. stuff or whatever. Because that's that, that's going to be the question a lot of the time. Like, oh, what is this, you know, type of deal? I found everybody so friendly. And oh, then yeah. also you can download the Google Translator app and you can actually download Spanish language yeah. on it so that um, even if you don't have service, you will have Spanish language dictionary on your phone. Yeah. Um, and so that was always very helpful in terms of communicating with people. You could always like write what you're trying to say and then translate it to Spanish, show them the phone. And they're like, oh, of course. People were so friendly and willing to help us with our language barrier. Yeah. And we did our best to try to learn as much Spanish as we could. And totally. I will say like on the way down, our Spanish was very limited. But then on the way back up after 10 months in Mexico and Central America, we were like pretty good yeah for like basic conversational alex was spanish i was less than pretty good but yeah Alex. <laughs> you were definitely better than you were on the way down oh for sure 100 percent. but you know learning that type of stuff is harder for me um but you know also alex did practice a lot more yeah so. and you just do your best you that's know. it that's all you can and do. i think people appreciate that i find this one a little funny uh because you're van life in it so you're already cool with limited amenities but they say limited amenities unlike urban living van life often means uh sacrificing some creature comforts you may have a limited access to electric shower laundry facilities prepare to adapt to the simpler lifestyle so here's the thing is Laundry facilities are everywhere down there. Every time you go to a city or a town or whatever, there's a laundromat. Um, electricity, you're making your own. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know why that's a big one. Um, and then uh, shower, uh, you probably have your own. Or at um, least a way to hose off. Yeah, and there's and also you- a ton of water around you. So you could just literally dive into the ocean and not worry about a shower. Yeah, you'll be a little salty, but... Uh, your attitude won't be because you uh, uh, feel clean because you just went in the ocean. Yeah, I would say you can pretty much get anything you need in Baja. And you're going down in your rig. 
Yeah. So, so you, you could, have everything in your rig. You can store find it. everything that you need. Again, use iOverlander to find all these laundry facilities, even yeah. public showers, campgrounds. When when it came to water, we made sure that we built our van with the ability to hold at least two weeks worth of water. And also have a filtration system. Yeah. But the, honestly, it was easier to get water in Mexico yeah, because they have the water for purification stations. And like for the most part, you're about 15 minutes out from getting water from a place that has a water purificada or a station to get water from. Yeah. So you're not that far away from the amenities. Yeah. Um, the last one is the border crossing. Yeah. Uh, we found that the border crossing into Tijuana was so easy. Yeah. They barely checked anything. Yes, there's some paperwork that you have to do beforehand. Um, they looked around a bit. Actually, I think they're getting rid of the FMM. So just do your research. We went with Baja Travel Club. They were super mm -hmm. great. I think it only cost like 30 bucks per person. And then they helped us with the car insurance. They helped us with um, the right paperwork for the travel visa. They made it super easy. Um, and so if you're somebody who's worried about that, obviously you can do your own research and do it all yourself and save the 30 bucks. But if you want your hand to be held through the process, Baja Travel Club was awesome. Yeah, I don't know why this one's necessarily a con, but uh, environmental impact and i get it if you're looking at it from a stance of like people trashing places um don't do that don't do that that's basically what they're saying in this article uh leave no trace principles is huge you know reduce your carbon footprint as much as possible which you're trying to do anyway when you're living out of a van and you're not using electricity from the grid and you're making it yourself and so on and so forth you're using way less water than most people in most homes um so you're already minimizing a lot of stuff. And I would say just make sure that you're packing in and packing out and just doing all the things that are going to leave a good name and reputation, not only for yourself, but also for the people in the community. Mm -hmm. The one big downside that they don't talk about here is that Baja is getting very busy. Mm -hmm. It's become much more popular. We're going to have to wrap this up in a yeah. second here. Um, it's become much more popular, especially during the busy seasons. Oh, all right, we're going to wrap this up here, guys. We appreciate you guys, and uh, we hope you enjoyed the article, and we hope that you have an FNA day. Hey, everybody knows it's true. Band Life YouTube channel, what they do. Everybody's got to get money. Everybody's about to get money. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All that.